Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, February 27th, we look at Lesson 9, To Serve and to Save. Together, let's see how the corporate servant is called to follow the true servant, that's Jesus Christ. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. All right, here we go for yet another week, and this week we're looking at our memory text that's found in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1 for Lesson 9 to serve and save new king james version once again isaiah 42 verse 1 behold my servant whom i uphold my elect one in whom my soul delights i've put my spirit upon him he will bring forth justice to the gentiles i'm excited about this because um, those of you who have who are listening to this before you're teaching the sabbath school lesson we just got a note michael this week from one of our former students who said hey i listened to you guys right before i'm about to teach and gets me some new insights uh, I'll give you a hint here that that servant they're talking about correlates later with Matthew chapter 12, which is talking about Jesus. Sorry, mm. I'm sorry for the spoiler alert, but <laughs> <laughs> it's there and there's nothing wrong ever with mentioning Jesus and bringing up Jesus. Right, Michael? It's all about Jesus. Amen. Amen. So uh, since it's all about Jesus, uh, let's go in straight into a uh, servant nation, Isaiah chapter 41 uh, for Sunday's lesson. Michael, can you share with us? Absolutely. Well, this is a, a, just a beautiful description uh, here that we find of this. I, I think the key word here that I really love, Buster, is this word servant. Mm. Uh, too often uh, we make Christianity about ourselves. It's about what I can get out of it kind of thing. Ouch. Uh, yeah. And, and, and here we have this biblical depiction, um, this word servant. And it has a sort of uh, dual meaning, uh, this reference in chapter 41, verse 8, which talks about um, Israel uh, or sometimes Jacob, right, uh, as my servant. And then in chapter 42, the beginning of chapter 42, it talks about my servant. So we have uh, both a collective and individual reference here to this idea of serving. And so um, at the very outset, I mean, it's all about Jesus, but um, throughout the Bible, we have this metaphor of the suffering servant, Jesus, mm. who is this, um, and so this idea of service, that we're here to serve others. Um, you know, Buster, we've just had this crazy, crazy ice, snowy winter weather and knocked out the power and water for a lot of people. And boy, just, you know, as we're talking now, I, I just it make I just come to appreciate after this last week how little things small little things like electricity and internet, how, how, how lovely they are. <laughs> yes. No. And, 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 you know, through all this makes you appreciate people, right? Yep. Uh, people looking out for each other and, uh, you know, no one cared about political constraints this week. We're caring about, are you keeping warm? Right. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's it. And I was, I was just because, you know, people on our street that some are on opposite political partisan signs. I know that because they put the signs in their yard, right? <laughs> <laughs> but people calling each other and just saying, Hey, are you okay? And, and a lady yesterday that her pipes were uh, literally exploding in her house and, and, and had like three, four people, 
um, put out a call for help and people are literally rushing to try to go get the water turned off before there was too much damage. I mean, it's already wow, that's awesome. pretty bad, but I, I just love that, that we have people in our community. And I think that's what Jesus does. A lot of churches that opened up so that people would just have a warm place to sleep at night, you know? Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful um, seeing that happen. Beautiful, beautiful. And coming back to our chapter here, we have two servants that are described. One is this corporate servant. It's talking about God's people. And that's what we're talking about here is, you know, being that opportunity to serve those around us. God's people, God's church, we might say today, exist for the purpose of service. Amen. Amen. I don't know what else uh, there is to say, right? I mean, I guess we could just put a wrap on it there. But, um, but, but back to the individual, there's also a reference to a singular servant. And of course, uh, Isaiah is just full of these metaphors and these uh, portrayals of Jesus, the suffering come. So both uh, Christ, Jesus Christ himself, and the church exist for service. And that kind of goes with the second point, along with the rest of the lesson and this idea of servant nation, uh, that God has called us uh, for that purpose. Uh, we're here, uh, and, and it's not service so that we get some kind of kickback and people like us or help people out in their distress. Um, but it's service for the sake, because that's just God's, who God is, God's love, it's, true. Uh, it's selflessness, and it's just, um, you know, it's kind of interesting in the news. Some some uh, uh, executives, you know, in the energy sector that were exulting at how much money that they were going to make for their company. And uh, with, with the increased uh, prices for energy, stuff like that, in the midst of this, this winter storm. And I thought, you know, how horrible that is that people profit off the suffering of others. Yeah. Now, yeah, I'm not true. trying to point any fingers, but I mean, I, this, this is, it's all over the news, these kinds of things right now. Um, we're not here. The church doesn't exist. To, to, um, there is plenty of suffering in this world, but we don't celebrate that suffering. Instead, we try to make it better, not for our own gain or profit, but simply because we follow the example of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that, that's what we're called to do. And I, I appreciate you bringing that up, the singular servant, but also the, the corporate servant, right? That's what we're here for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tell us about this. Uh, oh, go ahead, Buster. Oh, no, no, you. You were about to segue, segue me in. I was going to segue me in. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We're both on the same page. Yeah, we're serving uh, Tell other. us about this unnamed individual servant. <laughs> yeah, so, so talk about unnamed individual servant. It gives us uh, some some key pointers here. Isaiah 42 verses one through seven. And I'm just going to read a, a couple of verses here. New King James Version. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. It goes on talking about a bruised reed. He will not break a smoking flax. He will not quench. Verse three uh, going on all the way down here to verse seven to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, to, to the, uh, those who sit in darkness from the prison house and saying what G, uh, well, I, I'm getting ahead of myself, but later we see this as actually a fulfilled promise because later in Matthew chapter 12, uh, we see that Jesus here is part, uh, he actually heals people in verse uh, chapter 12, verse uh, 15, it says, and he ordered them not to make it known that he had healed them. And this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, verse 17. Behold, my, my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. And it goes on, uh, quoting Isaiah chapter 42. So we don't have to guess here who is this unnamed servant, because 
this unnamed servant uh, is actually unnamed in Isaiah 42, but he is actually named in Matthew chapter 12. Mm. And it's so important to see here what he does is he provides justice for the nations. He accomplishes his goals quietly and gently, but successfully. He's a teacher. He serves a covenant between God and the people. He gives light. He does all the above. He, he brings healing. He, he does all these different things. And it's so important to note, note here that this is not just the unnamed servant that's here, but, but this unnamed servant is still working in our lives today. Mm. It's still moving in our lives today. I saw him move this week, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's people who without power and a, a friend of mine came over and it's like, uh, well, he called and it's like, hey, do you have any firewood? And we were like, you know, our power hasn't gone out. Yes, we do. And, you know, I think, thought he was taking it for his own family, but he actually took it for his next door neighbors who are elderly and they didn't have any, any, any way, source of heat. So of course we're going to give that. And you just see mm-hmm. this, this type of giving that keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. Uh, that individual servant is one that dwells in us to cause us and show us how we're supposed to live as well. And I, I appreciate this aspect of bringing this out in the lesson. And it asks this question. It says, look at Isaiah 42, 1 through 4, the depiction of Christ. Spend some time dwelling on the life of Christ. What specific t- characteristics of his ministry so aptly fulfilled this prophecy? And what lessons can we learn uh, learn about how we should be ministering to others as well? I think that's the the mm-hmm. crux of what we're trying to get at here is not just yeah. about what Jesus did and identifying who he is. It's about identifying how can we allow his life to live out in ours. And so I, I challenge our listeners, please look at how God is calling you to minister to others and to serve others and not just yourself. And with that being said, Michael, I think that brings mm-hmm. us perfect to uh, Tuesday's lesson, which is the Persian Messiah. Ah. Let's go for it. Isaiah chapter 44. Right? <laughs> yeah, you know, and this this particular uh, example is often used uh, to attest to the history, the reliability of scripture, yes. uh, that what the Bible talks about, what it says, uh, it, it really means. And and to put this a little bit in perspective, we, we recently had an archaeologist giving us some of the background, the historical background. So just uh, out again to John Gardner, check out the bonus episode. Uh, and uh, you have Isaiah who lives really in the 8th and 7th century, uh, as the lesson points out, from 745 to 685 BC. And uh, here he is predicting by name who hmm. the person's going to be that basically will rescue Israel. And this doesn't take place we know when it took place um cyrus cyrus is mentioned by name here uh chapter 44 verse 28 right mm-hmm. so you have this specific reference and it, it actually is fulfilled in 539 bc that's well attested and and, and easily documented uh, archaeologically and, and numerous sources cyrus among others so we know when that happened and so this is 150 years ahead of time that that through the prophet Isaiah, in fact, some people are like, well, there's no way Isaiah could really have written it back then. It must be from sometime later because they don't want to accept the fact that how could a prophet of God have actually predicted 150 years ahead of time the name of the person who will save God's people? It's just it's just absolutely mind-blowing. To That's think impossible, of- right? That's impossible. <laughs> and, and in fact, uh, the uh, Roy Gain, who's the author of our lesson, uh, tries to compare it, and I, I love this, uh, compares it to be someone like from George Washington's time, 
predicting that Eisenhower, Dwight Eisenhower, would liberate Europe in 1945 at the end of World War II. Uh, they put a little bit in perspective. We just can't fathom that. Uh, but that's because our perspective is very finite. Mm. Oh, you know, yeah. I, I, I love that, though, because uh, that puts it into perspective for us because we're like, 150 years, not crazy. Well, it is. It is. Not to make God. It, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and people ask, and, and the lesson asks this question, too, you know, why is Cyrus specifically called anointed? And, and that's, that's really significant. We have sort of this dual meaning that's here, uh, but this word anointed is the same word for Messiah, mm -hmm. uh, which is sort of this double analysis uh, to both to the immediate rescue of God's people that will take place. There will be a Messiah that will come and save them, right? Uh, but then there's also this reference to Jesus, who will be this ultimate, uh, uh, the antitypical Messiah that will come and rescue God, people, and all of humanity from sin. And I just love that again and again. We see those parallels uh, both in immediate history, but we're reminded of salvation history at the same time. So that's what gives us hope. And uh, tell us, Buster, how do we have hope in advance? You know, uh, I love that you mentioned it because it segues perfectly here, yeah. which is the salvific mm -hmm. promise, but then there's also the immediate promise. Mm -hmm. And then this is dealing a little bit more with the immediate, uh, saying, talking about the doubt that people might have in Cyrus, right? And how uh, Isaiah could actually be real. I challenge you go back. Uh, matter of fact, Michael, we had more downloads last week than we've ever had before. I think we had over 170 downloads uh, because of last week's episode, plus John Gardner's. Uh, there's a lot of deep information there. Go back and listen to it. Mm -hmm. And you'll see for a fact that the Assyrian people were real people, that the Bible is actually historically accurate. Uh, it's, told time and time again, archaeology has helped to prove that. Um, but here saying, uh, it has, it's asking this question or posing this question, like those of us who are having doubts, which by the way, there's nothing wrong with having doubts. Faith is the ability to believe in the midst of doubts, right? And so, exactly. and also being able to look at the widespread of data that's there, which is the word of God, comparing it with history and saying, God can be trusted. Uh, this is why often evangelists start off with Daniel chapter two to show that God listed these nations that are going to come and going to be in charge one after the other. God knows. Uh, so here it asks, what spiritual principle do you see at work here in those verses in Leviticus? It brings up this verse in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 26, 40 through 45. And the English standard version this time, uh, when I look at this, change this real quick to the English standard version. It says, but if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers and their treachery that they committed against me and also walk in uh, and also walking in contrary to me, so that I walk contrary to them and brought them to the land of their enemies. And if their uncircumcised heart is humbled and they make amends for their iniquity, iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and I will remember my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham and I will heal the land. Finish this here with verse 45, for I will, uh, for I will. For their sake, remember their covenant with their forefathers, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. And it's just reminding us that in the midst of our doubts, in the midst of our everything else we have, God has not called us to supersede him in our knowledge. <laughs> he has called us to surrender in him and trusting in his knowledge, trusting in what he has shared with us. 
And so we have hope in advance by actually recognizing that the same God who told us that, I, that Cyrus was going to come for the children of Israel back then, the same God that is telling us what's going to happen in the future for us now, that Jesus is coming through the clouds of glory and we can trust him. And that, but, but by the way, the salvation that he gives through the other Messiah, the true Messiah, uh, is, actually, is actually caused by, once again, our surrender to him. It's caused by our remembering that covenant and the ultimate covenant that was paid through the blood of Jesus Christ. So it's holding on to that and not letting go and recognizing that it's our duty to tell the world about this, right? And so um, I think it's a, a beautiful, beautiful thing to, to sort of segue into Thursday's lesson with, which is a feeling and suffering a ser- servant. Yeah, so we're, we're, when we get to uh, Thursday's lesson, we're really looking at Isaiah chapter 49 yes. uh, and identifying this, this uh, servant once which we've talked about, there's both a, a corporate element as well as an individual element. Uh, but we begin to see um, a, a shift in emphasis where uh, as, as that chapter unfolds, obviously there's that collective, but there's this more and more focus and centrality on that individual servant, which as we've already talked about is the Messiah, it's Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we, part of that we know simply because uh, you know, that corporate uh, servant uh, eventually will fail in its task. Um, that's the mm. tragedy of the Old Testament, right? That's is they, the Messiah comes in their midst and, and rejects that suffering servant uh, that's, that's right there. And so uh, we begin to see uh, these references. And, and for me, really, the, the, the pinnacle of this chapter is found in verse through 12, um, it talks, uh, it says, in the time of my favor, I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. I'll keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people to restore the land and to reassign its desolate inheritances. Well, God always wanted God's people, nation of Israel in this instance, to be that harbinger of restoration, to bring that good news of salvation to all the other nations of the land. But ultimately, the person who makes that possible is the suffering servant, Jesus. Uh, and it mm. says here, it says to the captives out and to those who must be free. Uh, the, the ancient Israels, they kept hoarding it to themselves. They kept, they, they didn't allow that message, that good news to actually go out there. And, and at the end of the day, uh, what God wants is the message of salvation to break forth, to break loose. And, and Jesus will do it himself if need be. And he did through his own life and death and resurrection. And you see these dual echoes of Christ, both his first coming and his second advent mm, uh, that yes, are both kind of, yeah, they're, they're mentioned there because you have Jesus coming, but then you have the restoma- restoration of, of the earth made new, these, these beautiful illusions of springs of water. I mean, these illusions of, of, of heaven where ultimately we will experience uh, the fullness of everything that God wants for us here and, and so that's that that's that really new element that that's coming in as jesus uh is being emphasized more and as jesus is emphasized more uh everything else starts to fade away uh a, a little bit here in insignificance mm. beautiful michael and and you know isn't that that ultimate what it is that that temporal healing that we receive now but then the ultimate eternal healing that we will also yeah. receive and we we're creation we're craving for all the above i know that i am yeah. uh so the the fact and the ability that we'll have the chance to, to have it through that 
the true anointed one, the true Messiah that's through Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, Michael. Yeah, and if we think we have it all figured out, all you need is a snowstorm in Texas to remind you of how <laughs> temporal, <laughs> how how transitory everything is. And then it, suddenly it'll tell you real fast, right? <laughs> snowpocalypse, Texas oh, 21. Yeah. Uh, the snow dimmick, whatever you want to call it, right? <laughs> right. And, and and by the way, you mentioned, yeah, I mean, in COVID-19, I mean, who would have thought a year ago, Buster, oh. that we would have all the trauma and travail that, that, that has happened, you know? And in all of this, I think, um, in a way, should unsettle us to the point to realize that this earth is not our home. Yeah. We've got a better place. And Isaiah just keeps coming back and back. And the way that we get to that better land is Jesus. You know, I, I, this week is hard. I just got a message on Facebook yesterday that a high school friend of mine, she passed away at the age of 36. Oh, and, how tragic. Um, hmm. I remember sitting her next to her in class and laughing and having a good time and looking at, mm-hmm. you know, checking on each other on Facebook. And then the next day, you know, gone as a result of, you it's know, gone. the pandemic wow. that's here. Uh, and, and so I, I just, Send out my prayers to her and her family, but just realizing that tomorrow's not promised to us. It is. I mean, there's several yeah. several people that died on yeah. the during the snowdemic because of the because of car crashes. I mean, there's so many different things. So make sure that today we live our days as you know we we, have, we truly surrender our lives to Jesus Christ and allow Him to be Lord of our lives. And I, her brother put up a wonderful, beautiful post. That's why I'm sharing this, which is, hey, I have I have a, a true belief that she died in Christ and she will rise again in Christ. And I think that's, that's a prayer that we can all have for our, for our loved ones, but but we also need to make sure we have it for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what better way to put a wrap for this week, you know, and uh, is, is we need Jesus every day and don't wait, don't wait. Uh, Like you said, uh, tomorrow's not promised, but Jesus invites us now. Amen. And remember to, we can't save, but we can always serve. <laughs> we can, we can. And, and especially we're reminded of that right now. By the way, I, when you were telling your story earlier, I thought of this um, elderly lady that lives across the street from me. Yeah. And uh, here I was worried about her, you know, and want to make sure she's okay. And, and as I'm going over to check on her, a van pulls up full of church members from her church, a whole van load of church members, and they're putting out water jugs. And here's this elderly lady. I have running water. At least I can let them come to my house. And I just thought it was a beautiful reminder Aww. of how all of us, uh, no matter what little we have, and it may be difficult, uh, she might not be able to run across the subdivision and turn off the, the water <laughs> at the big <laughs> water mains or whatever, but just a simple act of kindness, and I just reminded me of, of the servant Jesus and, and how each of us have opportunities every day to share God's love with someone else. So, Amen. Amen. Well, that puts a wrap for another week. So this is Soup. And Swoops signing out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahoo.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, 
Be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.